episode 237 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast with my newfound friend here. Legend, I'm going to say it. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. Legendary cinematographer, director of photography, director of photography, Daniel Pearl. Um, like I said before we started recording, this is an honor for me. I've, I've watched and know so much of your work without even really realizing it was you. And then once I took a deep dive into your IMDb, I was blown away that you actually accepted and was just like, okay, to do this podcast. So I appreciate your time. And obviously your craft has, since a little kid with so much stuff, it's, it's just, I can't even put it into words how ridiculous your resume is to me on so many different levels. So if you don't mind, um, I would just like, just for the people that are listening and watching, I just picked out a few things in not in no particular order, just to throw out there, which struck me. I was like, wow, he did this, he did that. And then I just went off the rate, you know, off the rails with, a bunch of stuff. So do you mind if I do that real quick, Daniel? No, go right ahead. I, I must say, I, I failed to compliment you uh, when we were talking earlier, but that, uh, that montage of, uh, of, you know, of, of uh, tiles of my work was fantastic. Oh, uh, thank you. Really, really, uh, really good. So I look forward to seeing what you're coming up with here. Let's oh, okay. Yeah, that was, and that, that's why I even wrote it. I even wrote, not even scratching the surface because if we went over everything you've done, we'd be here for six months. So, <laughs> um, all right. Like I said, in, not, in, in no particular order. All right. First and foremost, 2006 winner for Outstanding Achievements in the Field of Music Videos. Uh, video Music Award for Guns N' Roses video November Rain, which is ridiculous in and of itself. Um, uh, video Music Award for The Police, Every Breath You Take. And I realized you did that. I'm like, I was like five years old. So it goes way back into my childhood, your stuff, man. Um, one of my all-time, if not my favorite horror movie ever, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original 74. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake in 2003. Friday the 13th, 2009. Pathfinder, Alien vs. Predators, Requiem, Body Double, which I would love to talk to you about that. Um, Cue the Winged Serpent, The Boy, Zapped with Scott Bayo. I saw him like two weeks ago at a convention. Um, Invaders from Mars. The Michael Jackson video, Billy Jean, amongst others. Cool in the Gang, Joanna. That's just, it, that just blew my mind too. Um, Billy Idol dancing with myself. John Cougar Mellicamp, Authority Song. The U2 videos, With or Without You, Pride in the Name of Love. Dude, you did the Van Halen Hot for Teacher video. Like, you can just hang up your hat, legend status. Um, Pound Cake. Meatloaf, I do anything for love, but I won't do that. Guns N' Roses, Don't Cry. Air Supply, Just As I Am. One of my, what, I'm, I'm a metalhead pretty much, but Megadeth Sweating Bullets, which was amazing. Iron Maiden Live After Death documentary film, man. Like I saw that, this, this guy said yes to do my podcast. Something's wrong in the matrix. Um, Madonna Truth or Dare, um, 
Cypress Hill. I ain't going out like that. That's like soundtrack for the mid nineties for me. Um, the, uh, Elton John and George Michael don't let the sun go down on me video. Uh, I said Madonna's with there. I don't even know how many you probably know off the top of your head, but Mariah Carey videos since she was like 19 years old. Right. Um, various videos from Cindy Lauper, Michael Bolton, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Aretha Franklin, Fleetwood Mac, Bon Jovi and John Bon Jovi, Shania Twain, Garth Brooks, Boys to Men, Jodeci, Bruce Springsteen, and Vogue. And you have over 400, almost 500 credits with just music videos in and of itself. Thank you for your time. <laughs> I don't know what else to say, man. I usually have such a big mouth and I talk so much, but I don't even know where to begin at this point. What I can, what I can tell you is it's been a fantastic ride. Uh, it lived up to my dream. I imagine when I, when I was 18 and, and, and learned that there was such a thing as a cinematographer, I didn't even know that, that you know, they were even considered that, oh yeah, somebody's gotta be the guy who takes the motion pictures. Uh, but when I learned about it, I thought, yeah, well, I, I, I like this. I, I like the idea of this. I could do that, and you know, I'll, I'll see the world. I, I, you know, I'll work in Paris. I'll work in Rome. I'll work all over the world. It's, it's uh, you know, it's come true for me, and so uh, it's been great. So, as well as uh, having a, to, to be able to have worked on on a lot of, let's face it, iconic videos is really the only way to put it. Um, you know, I've had great experiences. I've, I've lived a really, really fantastic life because of it. Yeah. Um, now, like when you first started out, like, did you did you kind of know somewhere in your head, like, before you got the role, the, before you got the job to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre, was there something inside of you that was like, I am going to do this and I am going to be up here like this is not going to be a waste of my time. I'm not going to like I'm just going to be amazing at this and this is going to be my life and my journey and i'm going to fulfill all my dreams like did you have that in your head it's, it's really funny you ask that question that's okay really incredible good great question because uh, i have a great I, I think i have a good answer for you. um i i uh, went to undergraduate school at the university of texas and studied cinema there uh when it became when it came time to Go well. They told us when I went into the program that and you have to keep in mind this is 1968 when I started into the the film program, and I was and, and at that time there were maybe five studios, three networks. Uh, the country had two or three independent stations. Yeah, PBS. That was it. Yeah. So um, so. Uh, they told us that, look, you're not going to get in this industry. It's a closed industry. It's father to son only. And, you know, uh, if you're really passionate about it, um, you'll, you'll stick around. You'll go to graduate school. You get a, a you know, master's degree. You'll teach and eventually you get a Ph.D. And if you're lucky, you'll get grants and you'll make films on the weekends or in the summers. Right. Um, under no circumstances are you going into the film business. Not going to happen for you. And that's if you're lucky. That's if you're lucky. So about half the class gets up and leaves, right? I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, I don't give a shit about anything else that's going on. It's 1968, the whole hippie thing is going on, right? Yeah. I'm being, I've been exposed 
everybody, everybody that was protesting the war in Vietnam was bringing in film prints of classic Kurosawa, Fellini, Bergman, classic films. So right. this is because this is before videotape, right? Yeah. But you bring in 16 millimeter prints and you could, for a dollar, uh, go watch these films every night. There was sort of showing four or five different organizations were trying to raise money to get permits for protests or money to print pamphlets, handouts, whatever. So they would bring in film prints to try and raise raise money. That was a common thing. So this is all I did. I didn't even go to my classes. I'd watch two, 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 two or three if I could these films a day. Yeah. And I should say. And um, so anyhow, uh, I, I shortened up on the story, on the answer to your question. Uh, That's fine. That's fine. Go ahead. I stuck around uh, after I got my uh, my undergraduate degree. Uh, they offered me a teaching assistantship to stay at the University of Texas rather than go to either uh, UCLA, USC, or NYU. And um, so I stayed, and I uh, was in a program with eight other guys that were all directors. I was a cinematographer, and I would shoot. All, I shot all their films um, for the first year. And I shot a lot of them for the second year as well. But anyhow, uh, at the end of that, when we graduated, we we're all together. And I said, I said, you know, guys, I said, I think I'm pretty good at this. I think I will shoot a feature film by the time I'm 35. I will be the youngest guy ever to shoot a feature film that anybody's ever heard of. And um, uh, interestingly, um, two of those guys were at my place when Toby Hooper called me and offered me the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's awesome. And uh, I, I talked to him. I was like mind blown. I was like, you know, I hung up the phone. I was like electrified. And I went, I went to the room where the guys were and I sat down and go, what's going on? And I go, I go, guys, I'm 12 years ahead of schedule. Nice. <laughs> so uh, to answer your question, yeah, I always thought that, uh, that I, that I, you know, that I, that I had a knack for this, that I had, you know, the skill sets required. Um, you know, um, it's interesting because to be a cinematographer, especially when it was filmed, it's less so now because the end results are right there. So we, we used to have to do a lot of math and, you know, work things out for frame rates. If you want to shoot something in slow motion, we had to adjust the f-stop. Um, if you wanted to you change the shutter angle, it also affected the f-stop. Right. Uh, certain filtration affected things. Uh, and so we had to make those computations. Now you still have to make your co computations, but you can just look at the monitor and see if, the, if your computation was right. Or right. you can make a computation. You can just go, oh, yeah. Like I might have sat to, done a computation quick because we know how to do it. Right. Said, okay, you need to open up a stop and a half, right? Okay. But, you might not even make nowadays. You might not even make the computation. This might go over and open the camera up to uh, that looks good. Okay, not it's even know, not even know exactly what it was. Right. So, and and also, you know, uh, rig, rig, you know, camera placements. Um, you know, uh, figuring out where cranes go, the use of cranes, arms, things like that. Uh, they're all very technical, right? But sure. at the same time. It's an art because we're composition, we're lighting, we're creating mood. Our compositions are, are, are you know, uh, telling a story, um, and so there's an art. There's an art side to it. Well, a hundred percent. My my father's a mechanical engineer, and my mother's a painter. So they set me up. I got the two sides. You know. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, that was that was part of it. I think part of my confidence came from, came or, or sort of my natural take to it. Right. Um, yeah. Just one more. Th- I'll tell you one more story about film school. Uh, on the first day after we got rid of the uh, eight, the ten or eleven people that left, he goes, <laughs> "Okay, we're going to make a uh, we're going to make a short film. We're going to make a western. We're going to shoot it in black and white. We're going to make a western." Anybody ever work a camera before? Film camera. I raised my hand. He goes, what, what have you done? I said, well, I was 13 years old when the skateboard was invented. And after, <laughs> after my buddies and I got really good at it, I went into Manhattan and, and bought a skateboard, uh, bought a, uh, went to a Peerless Willoughby, a camera store. I don't know if it's still, still in Manhattan or not. Probably and not. <laughs> I bought a $60 8mm camera. And... Uh, Film my buddies for for you know a year and a half or so on a skateboard. Didn't tell, didn't tell a story, just them doing cool things. Yeah, but, uh, and sixty bucks back then was a pretty penny, man. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, wondering how that that you know, uh, I had some experience with a camera, and uh, so uh, so anyhow, because okay, you'll be the cinematographer, and we shot it on uh, black and white plus X uh, negative film. Plus X reversal film, excuse me. Plus X reversal, which is a very beautiful film, okay. um, and uh, uh, it worked out really well. I did, I did a really good job, and you know, Austin, Texas has what I call checkerboard clouds. So you get these nice, beautiful skies because there's always dotted, you know, the dark blue. I was using filtration to make the, the blue sky more dark. Yeah, white clouds, and uh, so it's, um, you know, it's a very, it's a great place to shoot. Yeah, have done five features uh, there. Yeah, you 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 were talking. You were just talking about like how it's an art form, and and I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm like this expert or whatever, but I do watch movies maybe a little bit different than the average person. I don't have any skills as far as working a camera or anything like that, but I do appreciate and I look at details and little small little things and. I just recently, I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre countless times, even the 2003 version. I've seen it multiple, multiple times. And, and, oh, I I, I love it. I I grew up in the eight and, you know, I'm 45. So, you know, I grew up in the whole slasher era and going to the video store and renting videotapes and all that stuff. So, that's why it's like cue the winged serpent, like the big clamshell VHS tape. Like I remember as a kid asking my mother for money to go rent the video and all that stuff. So what I'm watching two nights ago, I'm watching again. I, I, I figured I'll, I'll do it like for quote unquote research because my girlfriend was like, you're watching this again. I'm like, listen, I'm having this man on the podcast. I'm doing this for research. Right. So I'm watching 2003 Texas Chainsaw Massacre again. And I noticed and just just to backtrack real quick, I love your Instagram page because of your detailed stories and descriptions of whatever photo you post. Um, and I love the fact that I believe you. Yeah, you said it that I'm going to just, you know, in, in layman's terms, yeah, I'm just going to paraphrase basically that it was you had the opportunity to fix certain things that you wish that you would have fixed with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So. I'm watching it and I'm noticing like a lot of similar shots like that are from the original kind of like the same angles and whatnot. Um, But mood and lighting 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. Are you about to say something? That, that, yeah, the, that's not conscious, right? I mean, that's just, that's my style. Right. And that's where I put, but there's no, there's, there's absolutely, in fact, one of the reasons that Marcus insisted I shoot the film for him was that he knew I would not copy the original. Right. So there's obviously, there's going to be, you know, the angles, there's angles, there's power angles and power angles, right? Sure. You know, and moments that require you know, compression of a long lens, they, they exist. Yes. Um, so the fact that, you know, that we're, we're using the complete gamut of film technique, the, film, the complete, you know, range of, of, of techniques, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, but, but there's not a conscious, there's never laid out. Because right. sometimes on jobs, things are laid out and specific, sure. specifically, you're shown something that I want to knock this off, you know. Right. Or you're given images or you're shown clips. Uh, that was not the case. Uh, I, I okay. Uh, I, I looked, because I'm watching and there's like the very, the pan back shot of the, of the van. And you should see a whole bunch of landscape. And the van is at the bottom and it's going, I'm like, that's so similar. Even like, obviously the angles would be kind of the same where they're in the van and they're talking with each other and with the hitchhiker, but it's the girl in the 2002, like all that stuff. And what I found was incredible because I was watching, I even said, I feel like I'm watching it with like new eyes because I'm, I knew I was going to be speaking to you, but I was like, wow. Like I noticed it, but I never really took it all in that one shot that you did once the girl shoots herself through the back of her head and then it goes out the back of the van window and then you pan like all the way out and then all the way back off the road with like one long shot i was just like that's like an incredible shot i don't know i found that to be beautiful in a twisted way because the girl just blew her brains out but you know (laughs) you know do you want me to tell you how i did it Sure, I would love. I, I love all this behind-the-scenes stuff, man. First of all, uh, Marcus Nispel, who was hired to direct the film, right. uh, was almost like a brother to me. Around the time we shot that film, we were we've been doing commercials together for I don't know, probably uh, t- 10, 12 years, um, and um, uh, he he knew that I shot the original. And so he comes to me, and uh, he's, he's German. So sometimes I'll, when I, when I imitate him, I'll speak with him, like a German. His way. Go right, go right ahead, man. <laughs> Daniel, you know, uh, you, have, you have a great signature shot from the original, but we need a signature shot. We need to design a signature shot for uh, for the remake. And so this is what he what he came up with was a shot he wanted to start on the the hula girl, you know, the the Hawaiian hula girl up in the, you know, yes. The, Dancing figurine on the dashboard. Yeah. And backwards through the van between and see all the cast go through the head mm-hmm. of the girl and out, uh, you know, out, 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 come backwards on her mouth and out the back of her head as her head falls over. Yeah. And then backwards, continuing backwards out the bullet hole. Yeah. That the bullet that went through her head would make, right? And then all the way out into this field. Yes. On a wide angle lens. So um, <clears throat> we, first of all, the, technically the equipment we had, we had a we had a um, a crane arm that was like kind of like if you imagine it's like a long pole. Okay. 
I don't think we had a telescopic crane. In fact, I know we didn't. Uh, it was it was just a it was a pole, a fixed arm crane with a remote controllable head. Now that crane has a like an L shape drop down that the camera sits in. So uh, it's off the pole, you have a, a a device which keeps it level no matter how they tilt the pole. Camera oh, okay. stays level, right? And then you have um, this drop down from there to a plate that the camera sits in. What we did was we cut an eight inch slot in the roof, right? So that the, the pole is, of the crane is outside of the crane, right? Okay. But the camera is inside the car, pole, excuse me, the pole is outside the car. Right. But the, the, through, because of the drop down, the camera is inside the car. Huh. We go backwards through the car, all the way through and out the wind, the rear window, which is not in place. Right. The rear window is taken out. Sure. Okay. Now, in order to do this and to go through the head, <laughs> we have to carry the head along with us in the beginning part of the shot. <laughs> okay. So we have we're on a on a periscope lens, an endoscopic lens or a probe lens. Excuse me, a probe lens. It's about that long. It's a wide angle lens. And the head is actually threaded onto, onto, around the lens, between the front of the lens and the camera, in the middle area with the lens going through it is the head. Is the head. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. Go on. Now, in those days, you, contrast is not what it is now, right? Nowadays, you can shoot in something called raw, and you can make almost any situation work out contrast-wise, right? But in the old days, Right when it was filmed, there was a real you know we had four stops up and four stops down. Not today we got thirty two stops, six, sixteen stops up, sixteen stops down. We didn't have so we had to really get light levels. You know if you didn't want something to be black, you had to make sure or something to be white. Like you know you had to make sure you got the, enough stop on it and enough light in the black in the dark areas so that you could stop down so that the white areas didn't go blown out white. I determined that because what happens is at the end of the day, the sun is is not nearly as 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 powerful as the fill light coming from the sky. Gotcha. There's a lot more coming from the sky at near near sunrise and sunset. So I say, look, this has in order to shoot this because if the end shot is going to wind up out so wide, I can't have lights around. Right. Today now we got lights small enough or compact enough they could be in the van and be hidden. We didn't have that then. Right. So I, got, I was able to hide one light of the not the biggest light that we use, but like the second brightest light we use behind the tree. I could hide one, right? But still, by and large, most of it had to be, you know, done with a smart exposure placement of the stop. All right. So now here we go. So we're getting ready. We're rehearsing everything, and. We go, we go, and oh, and it, the, the crane, the arm is, we got it elevated, the crane, so that the arm is flat. Because the arm couldn't be on an angle, or else it wouldn't work. The arm had to be per, per, parallel with the ground. Gotcha. For it to work, or else it would be, wouldn't fit in the van, right? So <laughs> yeah. The ground. Uh, and uh, we now, we want to go, the shot wants to end out far away. So now we build an elevated track 
So now, because so, uh, if you if you remember, the car's up on a bit of a hill, right? It is. So we elevate we elevate the track <laughs> to make a run all the way out into the you know I don't know what it was 50, 60 feet probably. Yeah. And then also the camp the crane would be uh, on one angle where it starts the track off to the side. Say, uh, crane's on an angle, and, and as it as it start as it's coming back. It, it goes to the side so that the track is coming out of the way and the arm is swinging out so it doesn't shoot the track as well. And I'm, I'm having to keep the camera precisely tilted to not show the track. The track just below where we shoot. So we go ahead and we go for the first take. And there's a problem with the head and the camera gets jiggled and the lens gets knocked around with the head, right? Because the head has Velcro on it. And the idea is that the head... He's going to come back and back and back. And there's a prop man okay. uh, from the art department. He's going to be there and he's going to press the Velcro into place and duck under the seat uh. that he's supposed to be in as the camera keeps going back. And then the head will fall, but he'll let the head fall over backwards at the appropriate yes. time. Wow. So take one, jiggle, jiggle, no problem. We don't get it. Okay. Everybody re-rig everything, back to one, everybody gets set, ready to go again. Okay, here we go, we talk about it. Then we'll come back to another problem with the head rig. We don't get it. Right. Take three. We're about to go after it again. And we're pretty sure that, that the head rig is not going to work. I'm pretty sure it's not going to work, right? Okay. And I don't, I don't want to be forced to do something that's half-assed. So right. We go one more time. It's a mess again. And I go, look, that's it. The opportunity is over. The light's over. We've lost some light. The sun is set. The sun actually had gone below the horizon. I said, we just got to come back and do it again tomorrow. It's actually, and we did it and we got it on the first or second take the next day and we got it right away. Nice. Uh, but um, I have to say, it's like the only time in my, yeah, I've, as a cinematographer, I've heard stories about this, you know, people coming back, but really only two or three times in my, in my career which is what now 48 years um, that in that, in that time uh, I've only had a situation where I said, oh, no, it doesn't work. We have to come back again tomorrow. I've only really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I just so happened to pick that one out of anything. <laughs> it's like, you know, fucking just get it. Just fucking get it, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. Let's get the fuck. Let's, let's move on. Fucking get it. Exactly. That's, that's the business side of this, you know, art. Of, art. of course, of course. So now I, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of kind of like, I, I told you yes, well, I messaged you earlier today. I had Ed Neal on last night. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, unbelievable. My, my like nine-year-old inner self was flipping out in my head talking with this guy. It's like, what an unbelievable, and I'll say it, like iconic role in the horror history. Like that guy one of my favorites and he was so fun and he told me to tell he's like oh danny he's the best tell him i said hi and he's a funny dude man he's, and, he's, a, he's a great dude and, and a hell of an actor and his portrayal of the hitchhiker i mean look you know i've never thought about it. i sent it to you that that's like you know that people see that and they go like what the fuck yeah yeah i still say what the fuck right and it's like, you know, what, what, you know, what's, you know, so 
everybody's, everybody's glued to the screen because you don't know what the fuck's happening next. Yeah. 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 Thanks for being the hook that keeps people in there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because, I mean, that is, it's super strong the way, way he played it. And, uh, uh yeah. He's a, he's a great guy, you know, so I'm sure you had fun talking to him. Oh, a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. And I, I love the fact that you always, and it might sound cliche or whatever, but sometimes a cliche statement is, is just true and it's just, it is what it is. But like you so appreciate and you quote, like you don't, you, you like remember where you came from and you have such an appreciation and gratitude to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, I see that all in your, in your Instagram and all that stuff. And, and from, from being, you know, that was your beginning for the most part. And then to, to, to do everything that you've done, which is a fucking ton, and to still have that gratitude to that film, which is iconic. And people, even Ed was like, eh, no one's ever going to watch it. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, dude, I'm like, and now we're talking, me and him were talking about, you know, what did it mean when he smudged the blood on the side of the van? Like, it's just like, how is this possible that it's just such staying power and it's flipping generations? He was saying, you know, I go to a lot of horror conventions and so does he, obviously, but I never met him in person. But he's like, you know, there's this, you know, kids now that, you know, it's, it's like four generations of people watching that movie. It's, it's, it's an incredible phenomenon. It, it's, it's. It is. I mean, I don't know. Of course, I'm you know so involved in it that I don't know if I have you know if I'm over, overstating its power. But I think that there's more interest in that film than in the film that won the Academy Award five ten years ago. Yeah, people don't, wouldn't even know what that is, but everybody knows Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh -huh. it, it is it is an incredible gift that Toby Hooper gave me. And that's why I'm so grateful. And that's why I try to get back. I know there's millions of people there. And one of the things I regret deeply is that Toby didn't live during his time with Instagram. Right. Because yeah. He would have he lit it up. He would have been because Toby loves his fans. Yeah. Absolutely love, loves his fans. I, I appreciate my fan, our fans as well. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you have to. I, you know, I tell people sometimes, you know, we're nothing without our fans. You know, we're just we're just guys that fucking want to make films without fans. Yeah, hundred percent. Toby, it's it's it really is a shame that um, you know he'd have he'd have a hell of a lot of followers. Uh, oh hell yeah, hundred percent, and hundred percent, and it's like you know, and, and, and he he'd be great at it. You know, he'd, he'd spend time with it. Oh yeah, like that's one of the guys. Like I would love to just shake his hand and thank him. Like there's there's a few people that I don't even need to pick your brain or have a conversation with you or whatever. I just like just thank you and 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 leave it at that. You know what I mean? And he's one of those guys, and it's it is a shame. It's the last, absolutely the, shame. the last time I saw him was at the uh, um, Con Film Festival uh, Directors Fortnight, the 40th anniversary of. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first film that was shown there as a, because the director's fortnight, Relatezeros Kinzan, is, um, uh, they have two purposes. They show classics and they show new stuff that's not mainstream enough to make the main festival. Gotcha. Sort of, you know. Yeah. So in 1974, 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre was definitely not a mainstream. Not going to, nobody's going to be in the main uh, festival that was showed there. So now it was now forty years later they brought it back. So it's the first film that showed both as an original new film and as a classic. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. And what's even more mind blowing? Like Texas is not even mind blowing. It's just such an awesome fact that that movie is in the Museum of Modern Art. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's such a filthy movie. Like I'll still watch it. It's just it just has a mood, like you were saying before, a mood and lighting and a feel. That movie from the opening credits with the flash bulbs and the and the noises and and all from the beginning to the end. That movie just it's it's just like a dirty movie and it's so good it's just so good man it's yeah. it's incredible i mean <laughs> it's just a filthy movie man it's just it's amazing it's funny because um you say that because uh I'm a, I'm, thankfully i'm, I'm a uh, a member of academy right academy of motion picture arts and sciences and um i uh, i participate they encourage us to participate in the foreign film, uh, you know, selection for the Foreign Film Academy Award. I mean, we vote for all the films. Mm -hmm. They encourage us, and and it, like I, I think I mentioned to you that that's how I started out was just watching foreign films, right? Yeah. And so uh, I'm, I'm I, I do it. In fact, that's what I do every night now. It's the, it's the time of the year again, but um, uh, oh. So uh, one of the screenings I went to, I'm looking around and there was a, a photos of c cinema from the 70s, right? Right. So I'm looking at, you know, well, there's all these well-known pictures and there's a fucking shot of us, you know, uh, shooting uh, Marilyn jumping in a pickup truck with Gunner chasing her with the, with the chainsaw huh. and, and the two cameramen, me and, and uh, Ron Perryman, uh, two cameramen are, are in the shot, it's on the wall. Going, well, fuck, man, we've arrived, man. We're on the wall of the academy. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> That's awesome, a bunch, dude. A bunch of crazy Texas hippies that fucking, you know, wound up on the wall of the academy. Yes. That's a great story. <laughs> yeah. And like Jim side out too. It's like, oh, man, like his passing. You know, I'm having um, on Monday, this Monday coming up, I'm having Terry McMinn on. And then. Oh, great. Yeah. And then Go after hard. that, Go about. Hard. I, I'll definitely tell you. You said hello, and then a week after that, I'm gonna have John Dugan on. So it's oh, really? four in a row. Uh, John, I spent some time with a couple of years ago. It was a guy that had a, a, one of the festivals here, and uh, and so uh, he invited John, of course, as a cast member, and he uh, because he was here in Los Angeles, he, in, he invited me uh, to go yeah. down. Uh, and John and I spent you know spent a good amount of time together. He's cool. Yeah, yeah. I met him and Terry at a convention a couple of years back and super nice for the small amount of time that I spent with them. That's great. You know, I yeah. want to tell you about uh, about Ed, um, something that he did for me on the film. Sure. As well as be a genius throughout the film. But uh, in the scene where um, where Cedal uh, is driving him back, or driving, or driving Marilyn back from the barbecue stand. Yeah, poking her with the broom handle. <laughs> <laughs> it's so creepy and he's laughing it's so twisted it's amazing I mean you have to keep in mind that when I shot that film there was no video assist only one person got to see the actual shot it was the cameraman uh -huh. I'm, I'm watching this stuff and it's like there's so many times they're going oh, we fall off. <laughs> 
Like when I'm singing, they're going like, fuck. Yeah. Many, there are many times I just came out of the camera like stunned, like, oh my God, what I just saw. Yeah. What the yeah. hell did I just film? <laughs> yeah. That's one of them. Uh, and um, anyhow, I had been out, I smoked, smoked a cigarette. I'd been out on the porch uh, of the house um, the evening that we were going to shoot them driving up to the house where he, where Ed's out on, on the driveway. Yes. Uh, right. And um, long drive from the street to the, to the house. And uh, I'm out there and one vehicle drives down to that driveway. And then right behind it comes another vehicle. And I, and I see the headlights light up in the dust that's kicked up by the first vehicle. And I go, holy fuck, that's how, because I'm thinking, how am I going to, because out in the, there's no trees around where it happens, there's nothing. So right. I'm thinking, how am I going to give this a look other than just a car and two people? Because I can't, I can't light the landscape really. Right. There's no, nothing to light, it's just ground. Right. And it's going to fall off. It's going to look like what it is, like, boom, I lit an area. Right, right. It's something it's you know, when you're shooting nice stuff, there's there can't be an end to your look. It's, it's gotta right. continue to you know the frame or yeah. So anyhow. So I, I see it and I go, fuck, that's it. I'll play it in the headlights like that. You know, I only I only just add one one little light that's added to it. But what I want to tell you is that I knew the scene would play on for a while and I was worried about the dust settling because I, I I was familiar with that, you know, I realized that the dust would settle. Sure. So I asked Ed, while you're doing it, make sure you, that he's got his bag with him. I said, make sure you whip, whip that bag around some, you know, get, get some dust on the bag, the bag dusty. Yeah. And when you're down here, move, move the butt bag around and serve some more dust for me. Which yeah, within, the, within, within their little scuffle that they got going on. What she did, he's stirring up dust at the same time for me to keep the, the atmosphere, the dust in the, you know, the, what we call the atmosphere, the, to, for me to light with the sure you nappy i told you to stay away from that graveyard it's so good man so look good. what your brother did to the door look what your brother did to the door it's like i laugh every time i see that i've seen it a thousand times that was really hard not to laugh while we were shooting <laughs> i'm sure it was we so laughed a lot. Hmm? we laughed a lot i'm sure you did in a way, it was a bit of a comedy for us. Oh, God. Well, yeah, of course, because you're behind the scenes and it's you caught and oh, God, I could only imagine. And, and, I, and it's like legendary that the whole place stunk because of the meat. You know, you know, we, we, we joke about that the massacre was on, you know, because it wasn't called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? And when we shot it, it was called Leatherface. It was, I don't know, we were maybe a couple of weeks out when I changed the name and we all didn't like the name. We were wrong. It was a great name, obviously, for the film. Sure. Uh, Toby liked it. That's what that's what mattered. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you know, it was it was a grueling, uh, and you know, uh, you know. But I think I think a lot of us will agree that the the hardship that we went through to make it, uh, you know, the, that's I think it shows up on the screen to some degree. Right. You know, the certain, you know. And, you know, I don't know, I, I don't want to be too old school or too, I'm not even sure what the, the, the prop, proper philosophical, psychological term, but, you know, it, no pain, no gain sort of thing. If it's too easy, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of the great, a lot of the great, a lot of the best work was, it was a struggle, struggle, struggle to get it, you know, and, you know, just somehow it just winds up that translates and winds up on the screen and, 
A hundred percent. I don't think that's old school. I think that's legit. That's a valid statement. And that's exactly how it is. It's old school at all. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unreal. Um, so do you mind? I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold you hostage for like all night long, but there's a couple of things that I definitely want to go ahead. Um, (laughs) I got some time. I'm not, I'm not hungry. It's only five 30 here. So all right, you let me know. You let me know, but but hopefully I won't get to the point where you're starving over there. <laughs> All right, I will put you on meal penalty. Don't worry. All right, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, how about like off the top of your head, as far as like, I mean, I'm going to assume that you were a fan of horror films. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so how 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 was it for you to film the the reboot of Friday the 13th. Because I'm a Jason guy. I was not a Jason guy. Okay. What were you? Were you a Michael Myers guy or just a Leatherface guy by default? Well, when I responded to you saying in the horror films, right? What I was into was classic horror films, right? Sure. There's just still a Channel 9 in, in, in a metropolitan area, right? Yes. And did I still have a thing called a million dollar movie? No. Okay. Long, long over with, man. You know what it is, though? I do. All right. Did you remember seeing it? Yes. You remember being a kid when you had the flu or whatever and you stayed A little kid, yes. When we only had channels 2, 4, 5, 7, 9, 11, and 13. Yes. And then on 9, because the soap operas, you'd watch Mighty Joe Young, King Kong. Every Thanksgiving. Yeah, Gunga Din. uh, uh, Invaders from Mars. Uh Uh-huh. These films that they would show over and over again. So... Uh, that and there was a, a a guy Zacula that had a late night show that uh, that I uh, had always argued to be up, stay up late enough to watch mm-hmm. at the eleven o'clock news. Uh, that would show um, uh, Frankenstein, Dracula, the werewolf, yeah, you know the mummy, yeah. uh, the Universal classics. So sure. I would, that's I was that, I was into that. No, uh, was I a guy who went up? Was I like up on all the horror films? No. Okay. Uh, I, I never saw a Friday the 13th until I was shooting one. Really? Yeah. Uh, I'm a strange bird, man. I, <laughs> my, 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 my shit comes from, from, comes from my, my head and my heart, right? It's not from anything that I've seen. Right. I, I actually don't, you know, study, take notes or, 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 or in any way. That's why I was, you know, when you said that the shots were similar, I go, well, we certainly didn't design it to be for the shots to be similar. Right. You know, it's just at certain angles. They're a power angle. That's my style. Right. I know the angle to, I know the power angle to, to, to make a point. Gotcha. Right. So, um, but, yeah, that's not, not my thing. I, I'm not, a, you know, uh, I try, I'm always trying to do something new, something that's different, something that hasn't been done before. That's okay. why I have this music video career that I have, 400 and, wasn't me that counted them, but 483 music videos. Jesus Christ, man. Um, you know, He's I mean, more power to you. That's, that's amazing, man. It's I, unbelievable. I, I always try to bring something new and different to every one of them. And so it's often that a director will, will start talking to me about a concept that maybe something that I've done or somebody else has done or already been done, or we're going to knock off something. Mm. And I always try to take that just to another. Okay, cool. That's cool. But then I'll try. Can I usually pretty quick to come up with something your own twist idea and then twist it somehow that's more suitable to our client, our 
track, whatever it is, right? Situation or, or you know, uh, our technology, whatever it is, somehow I'll try and, and and just bend it into something a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you never see. So when you were filming the Friday, when you were doing Friday the Thirteenth, you had never seen a Friday the Thirteenth previously. I, I don't know. I, thought, I watched the first one. Just the first one. I watched the first one up, and I like I told. But, like, Which you only had Jason at the very end. <laughs> I called the director up and said, "That's a bullshit film. I don't like it." And, uh, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love it, but coming from where you're coming from, I understand. Well, the cinematography is is, is abominable. Oh well, yeah, it was a minimal, but like there was another case of uh, no one's even going to watch this thing, and next thing you know, it's like there's. There's like 12 of them and it's ridiculous. The guy's been in space now. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But there's, because I watched it because like I said before, I'm a Jason guy and I grew up on all these Friday 13th movies. But like there, there are things in the 2009 that seems like it pays tribute to certain films early in the franchise. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was going on. First of all, excuse my irreverence about Friday the 13th. Oh, are you kidding me? Excuse. Do do what you want to do. (laughs) I did thoroughly enjoy the situation. I like shooting it. I like, you know, it was fun. And, um, you know, so I I don't mean to just be like, fuck it. Listen, I get it. I I just, I just, the original didn't, you know, it didn't like, didn't wow me. Uh, But I I do quite like the, the one we did. Especially like the opening sequence. I like that a lot. Unbelievable. That first opening, it's such a long opening sequence before the, before the title. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but Form and Fuller, who were producers, they're also the producers on the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Right. Um, they uh, they uh, had definite points that they had to knock or things that, from their research, that's fine. The dog Gross. has things to say. Russ. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see if that works. That's that's it's fine, man. These these things happen. They had they had there were definite beats and things that they, you know, wanted to do. Yeah. I, I was not even that privy to it. It was more between them and Marcus Nispel, the director. Oh, okay. To get to to to, to get get these points. These okay. Points. Um but you know, I wasn't trying to in any way try and match. I was just doing what I do, which is, you know, it's a style. It is it's just I, I like in the way that I like. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 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 shot incredibly well. I, I so you know Friday the Thirteenth, whatever purists, you know, idiots, whatever they, you know, some people like to say, oh, this, that, the other thing, but it's like, yo, know, just sit and enjoy the movie, and it's beautifully shot. And I've picked it apart because of the the tributes to the other movies, and I appreciated what they did, and I think it's great. Yeah, you talk about the purists and the haters thing, right? I, oh, got, yeah. I got both sides of that because I shot the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the remake. Of course. So, so it's like... Sometimes the haters are around me about it. <laughs> yeah. The people, like, for me, uh, you, you know, you say it as me fixing a lot of things. Well, part of it was also that 
Um, I, the thing I just, I, the only part I wanted to, to fix was the van because the van's so blown out that most of the time, 90% of the time, you can't even tell they're driving. It's just so blown out outside the windows. Right. And um, I didn't want, I didn't want that look. Right. Excellent. So that, that's the part I wanted to fix. But in fact, more to the point was that um, we sat down for the meeting when I, when I showed up in Austin, Texas, first meeting I was having with the producers and with Marcus and they go, so uh, it's going to be gritty and grainy like the original. Yeah. And, and I had just learned, I thought all along that we were making it in 2003. Right. Yeah. 2003. It was released in 2003. We shot in 02. I thought it was going to be so. I thought we we're going to do an O2 version. It's going to be the music was going to be current music, right. recent music, current music. There'd be an African American in a van, an Asian in the van, you know, and it's going to be totally, you know, yeah, DC 2002, right? And, and um, you know, and then, then as I learned as this, it's still 1973. Uh-huh. Like, well, there's nothing wrong with the original. And I go, and so, and they go, well, they go, so it's going to be gritty and grainy like the original, right? And I go, well, I said, you want to shoot it in 16 millimeter? And they both go, what the fuck? You expect us to call Michael Bay and tell him his first, <laughs> tell Michael Bay his first Platinum Dunes project, his company, you know, he's done all these remakes and horror films, that the first one's a 16 millimeter? Get out of your fucking minds. We're not yeah. doing it. Yeah. I said, I said, because we already did that. And yeah, exactly. It's been done. I go, that's been done. And I said, I said, but listen, I said, Michael Bay, Marcus Nispel, myself, and a dozen or two dozen other people, in the 29 years since then, through MTV, in the 17, in the 15, what was it? Fuck, 19 years of MTV. Yeah. Fired. That, that audience, the demographic, has a totally different aesthetic, film aesthetic. Yeah, absolutely. I said, so this will be Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the MTV generation. And they went, well, they go, they turn to Marcus and they go, well, what, what, what does he mean? And Marcus goes, well, you're just going to have to wait and see, won't you? Yeah. And so, so anyhow, that's... That's what really, you know, the thing that for me there is that one is very wrong. It's very, it's me, at my, at my young cinematographer. How much could I know? I thought I knew a fucking a lot, but I mean, I know now. Well, it's a fucking masterpiece anyway, so. I know 48 years later that what I didn't know, technology, the film lights, et cetera, is so different. But yes, yeah, raw. You know what it is, is that it's got, it's got a documentary feel to it. And, thousand percent and i didn't want to you know for the other one i wanted more of a theatrical you know a drama uh feel to the remake and yeah. marcus marcus and i were like brothers at the time when we around the time we made that film um uh, the, the remake of texas chainsaw massacre we were very close and we, we were one mind about light we were one mind about uh, camera angles we were just you know we were we just thought exactly in, in sync in sync we yeah. were working somewhere between 150 and 200 days a year together going into it anyhow on commercials. Wow. Oh, so, um, yeah, we were, we were, it was quite prolific. He was, he was really considered a top guy in commercials. 
Mm-hmm. So we went from one to the next to the next to the next all over the world. Wow. And, um, uh, you know, so we just rolled into that film and just, we just, you know, just kept, kept on going. Yeah. And how unbelievable goes without saying, how amazing is Arlie Ermey? Jesus Christ, that guy. Oh my God, Arlie Ermey. So let me tell you. That guy, man. Rest in peace, Arlie Ermey. I was heartbroken when I found out he passed away, man. God. Uh, me too, believe me. So, Arlie, uh, so we're shooting the film, right? Now, you got to keep in mind, the original, I'm the only transplant Texan in the bunch, right? Everybody else is born and raised in Texas. Yeah. Right? Toby said to me when he called me up, yeah, I want to. I said, I don't, I said, you know, Dan, oh, man, uh, they tell me uh, uh, I'm, I'm doing this little film, and uh, I reckon you're the best cinematographer in the state of Texas, and I, I you know, I'm all, all, I want all Texans on this. But right away, I started talking like a Texan, you know. Yeah, you know, uh, sure, sure, short thing here, Toby. Uh, I'm happy to do it for you. Anyhow, um, he, uh, uh, what the hell was I going to say? All the army? Oh, yeah. So everything was very Texan. I mean, it was, you know, now, now I'm doing the remake, right? And, I mean, you know, what I, what I tell people all the time is that, you know, people, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we were a bunch of hippies, right? Yeah. We believed, not necessarily that we'd be eaten, but we knew we'd be killed. We knew we'd be tortured and killed. Right. If our cars broke down and the rednecks in the middle of the state outside of the cities, got a hold of us, we were pretty sure we were dead. Right. That was the, you know, the hippie credo at that time was do not fucking, you know, car, you've got to be a good enough car to make it to the next city. Right. So, (laughs) (laughs) so anyhow, we're making the film and Marcus Nisbell, God bless him, he did a great job, but he's German, right? Okay. I got Michael Bay, who's, Born and raised in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Former Fuller, who are Californians as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm shooting this film and I'm starting to think, I'm, you know, a couple, two, three weeks into it. And I'm starting to think to myself, I'm not sure that we got the dark side of Texas, right? Because, I mean, that's what that's about. That's what that film is about, the dark side of the whole Texas, you know, Texan backwoods. Does Texas, the place in Texas, the people, you know, the place, the people, they all have a certain, you know, a certain elevated status in our mind. Right. That same, you take that same elevated status and have it go wrong. And what the fuck do you got? (laughs) Right. Got some shit on your hands. So, (laughs) so, um, anyhow, I was concerned that we didn't have that, and then till we till I rolled with Arlie Ermey the first time, and I went, so I said to myself, "Fuck yeah, fuck yeah, man, yeah. that's it." That was so fucking great. He he's you know he he just brought it. He fucking brought it. Yeah, amazing, yeah. unreal. Now, do you do you mind if I ask you? One more, close another door. Yeah, yeah, close the doors. <laughs> Oh, she's <laughs> she's only ten months old, and she got an elevated, a nice 
elevated view of the street below, and a lot of people walk their dogs around here. Gotcha. So if somebody walks on her side of the street, she's got to bark at them until they're out of sight. Of course, of course. Now, like I said earlier, when, when I was going through your IMDb and I was blown away, it's some, I mean, like I said, as a little kid, you know, you watch the Hoffa Teacher video and this and that, the police, all that stuff. And then I saw that you did Body Double. Now, well, I, I, I just shot one sequence of Body Double. That's it? Just one sequence? What sequence? And when he's in the sex club. When he goes... Ah, uh, okay. It's, uh, to the... Um, the Frankie goes to Hollywood relax track. Relax. Yes. Uh, you did the video to that too, though, didn't you? There were five videos made for that song. And this right. was, that one was considered the fifth, but it was also running it was for the film. Right. The body double version, I guess. I, 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 don't, I don't believe I shot any other one of those. Maybe it's possible. No, you don't even remember your own resume. You did so goddamn much. <laughs> Oh, I did so many videos. I did so many jobs, and I smoked so many joints. Uh, oh yeah, listen, I got it. <laughs> no, I can't. But you know what? Yeah, I do remember. I do remember now having to get the Frankie Goes to Hollywood to Relax T-shirt made. Uh huh. That was nineteen eighty-four. Well, so we must have done. I do remember that having to happen. So we, I must have done another. Yeah, because. I'm trying to remember now because I have shot the lead singer from that band, but he's not in the the body double sequence. It's just the track is just playing over the guy wandering around the club, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so I have shot. Yeah, I have shot one of the videos too. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I like that. I have to remind you of, of what you did. That's Are you great. Kidding me? My my son-in-law. We were in, during the pandemic. Um, we were doing a a, 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 a trivia uh, thing, you know, on Zoom, uh, and our daughter invited us into it, and they would do a um, uh, music, and but they wouldn't, they wouldn't play the 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 you know if the song the title of the song is often a lyric they wouldn't play that. Okay. They'd play maybe an instrumental part of it or something part of a song they had to figure out. We were playing on teams. Right. What the song was. One of them, I'm going, I don't know. I don't know. And someone goes, he goes, you shot the video for this. <laughs> of course. Janet Jackson, all for you. Oh, shit. Shot the video for Like He wasn't my son-in-law yet at that time. I didn't know him all that well. And I was actually shocked that he obviously been studying me. Wow. Studying you as future father-in-law. I guess so, yeah. Probably smart. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty smart maneuver. <laughs> um all right how about doing the cypress hill video fantastic dude that, that 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 time frame like that record and that that era of hip-hop i i love it nowadays i'm not really that much of a fan but back in those early and mid 90s there's such classic such great stuff and that's one of my favorite cypress hill songs off of one of my favorite records by them it's still, I mean, it's still a great song today. Yeah. It still is fantastic. And believe it or not, it was my introduction to, to, to hip hop. Really? I hadn't heard any. No, I didn't. I, no, I, you know, look, I am what I shoot, or I am what I've shot. 
right? Right. So somebody didn't ask, especially around that time. I'm shooting all the time, so I don't have time for anything other than what I'm doing. True. And 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 you know, in those days, we get a cassette tape or 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 a a disc, right? Usually Uh cassette tape. And you know, that's what I listen to. That's what I play. That's all I listen to until I shot the song. Right. I get the song a week or two weeks ahead of time. And I only listen to that song, the only music in my life, until I shoot the song, right? Mm. And then so that's done, okay, and I can move on. But, you know, it's crazy, because, like, I've had, like, I had Every Breath You Take about two months before the song was released. I had Billy Jean three months before the song was released. Unreal. Everybody that came to my house, I said, you got to hear this. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't, you know, I would never put it out there, pirate it or ban it in any way. Right. But uh, but if people were in my house, I'd play it for them. And, uh, wow! So Cypress Hill, good experience, huh? I, I love it, and I, I like that video quite a bit. It's great. And, uh, I was excited when I saw their thirtieth anniversary uh, not that long ago, so I decided to post post about it. Yeah, you know, people have been people have been bugging me for years to write a book. Uh, yeah, why? What's wrong with you? Why haven't you did that, Daniel? I'm, I'm not a writer, man. No, so what you you know and how many people do books when it says like all right you know whatever you would call Daniel Pope with so and so and that with is the one who writes the whole damn thing. I know, I know. Uh, but but sort of uh, Instagram is my way of sort of writing the book. I just I just triple out little little Instagram stuff. Yeah, that's why I said earlier it's great because because you're so detailed with whatever you're talking about. It's just like an awesome caption of the moment or behind the scenes of whatever it is. Well, thank you, thank you. Very yeah, much. no, I, I read it all. I read all of it. I don't just go, oh, like the picture and scroll. I read it all. Uh-huh. Great. And now I won't hold you hostage, but I have one more thing, and then I'll let you go because you're probably getting hungry. Yeah, I get hungry. Say, say, I know. <laughs> um, the Iron Maiden Live After Death documentary. Which one? The <laughs> Iron Maiden Live After Death. Long Beach. I know that it was somewhere in Long Beach. Okay. The Long Be- Beach Convention Center. Yeah. It's, it's, wow. What? Linda, one sec. Linda. I'm throwing you curveballs tonight. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about it. I don't know what to tell you about it. Okay. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about that piece. Okay. I don't have a lot to say about that. It was definitely shot in Long Beach. Yeah. Concert. Uh, why it's called a documentary? I don't know. It's, it's like it's a concert film. Yeah, the same as any other concert film that I the way I would shoot it. Um, I was a director of photography. I don't remember exactly how many cameras we had. I believe a guy named Jim Yukich, I believe, was a director. Okay. Uh, and um, uh, not even one hundred percent sure about that. Okay. Uh, it was early into it. We did have a Luma crane, where early one of the camera remote cranes. That was early into it. Uh, and um, so, you know, they put on a spectacle back then with their concerts. Uh-huh. Their big, huge Eddie Mummy and all this. I mean, they were huge as far as their stage presence and performance. So, I don't know. I thought maybe it would stand out, but that was a long time ago and a lot of joints ago, too, man. 
Awesome. One thing I should tell you, having said that, right, is that uh, I only ever once in my career tried to be high on a set. It was probably terrible, right? It was terrible. Yeah. Actually, on the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, because Oof. the dude was growing it there on the property. Uh, uh, of course, he was. <laughs> uh, the guy who his name was Smokey, the guy who owned the, pro, the who was <laughs> the farm, and. Uh, and on the third day, he comes to me, he goes, when are you guys out of here? Are you just going to be here like a couple of days? But more stuff keeps arriving all the time. More and more stuff is coming. I go, three days, man. I say, we're here for three weeks. He goes, what the fuck? Uh-huh. He goes, well, I guess I got to tell you, if you go back behind that barn back in there, I got about an acre of marijuana growing back there. So he goes, you guys, he said, all I ask you is, you can whatever you want to do, put it aside, dry it somehow, smoke what you want, just don't take it away. So um, that that happened and uh yeah it was it was not not a good thing it was too much way too much computation to go on and communication with yeah. people and, and um so that's uh I, I never tried it again there you go 48 years ago so. all right very cool awesome well listen like i said several times thank you so much for your time man this was awesome and do you want to like, I know you have an Instagram account. Do you want to tell everybody they can follow you or whatever? And website? Yeah. Are you going to, uh, are you going to make another, what, what's the technically the word for that? Like, like a billboard or a poster? Or like a flyer. Yeah. I'm, as a matter of fact, the pictures that you emailed me, I'm in the middle of, I chose one and I'm in the middle of putting my twist on you. Okay, cool. Which yeah. Picture, which picture did you choose? The, um, the, the one of the, the portrait of you, the, the more recent portrait. Oh, the I don't know. So the start of shadow on it. Yeah. Yes. I thought yeah. Owen Roisman. Um, okay. Uh, Owen Roisman, who shot the French Connection, uh, The Exorcist. Ah. Um, oh. Owen, he he took that photograph. Really. Um, uh, are you still recording? Yes, I am. I can always stop it if you want to talk for a minute without recording. No, no. no. Okay. Uh, he wanted the photograph. Uh, me a lot of uh, when you become a member of the American Society of Cinematographers, uh, one a month goes up in our American Cinematographer magazine a picture to tell your story about how important the magazine was to you because it is to all of us. Right. Where you're um, and uh, he took this picture and he lit it and then he showed me the picture in digital, and I go, well, you know, well, when I said it looks, it's kind of normal, and you know, my stuff is a bit, uh, you know, my stuff's a bit unusual. I don't, you know. It, it looks a bit normal to me. He goes, yeah. He goes, I know what you mean. He goes, listen, and he tells the guy, I'm going to take the light off of that. Go get this light stand, right? So the guy takes the light off of the stand, puts it on the ground. He looks at me. He goes, hey, look over here. He goes, and I, and I think to my, I go to think to myself, fucking Owen Roisman is about to take my fucking picture. <laughs> right. That's, that's my expression. Snap, boom. He goes, what do you think? He shows it to me. I go, I reckon we're done. He goes, I reckon we're done too. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that was it. That was the shot. But it wasn't even meant to, the light just was put on the ground just in, in the interim. Right. But, you know. Awesome. Yes, this will come out. Um, today is Thursday. We're recording tomorrow. It's it's coming out in two weeks. It's I have one tomorrow, then, then Ed, then you. Okay. I'll send you. I'll send you the date and yes, send me the send me the date, send me the flyer. Uh, but also, if you would, 
send me the audio for this session. Okay. 100%. Do you have a Dropbox account? Uh, I do. Okay. I'll just email you. I'll email you through Dropbox to your email address. Okay, cool. Do you ever and if there's a problem, just hit me up. I'll, 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 I'll get it to you. No problem. We, use, we transfer? I've never used it, but I can. It's fine. Go, go, with, go with Dropbox. I'll figure out how to get it. All right. Well, I'll get it to you. Don't worry. All right. Yeah, it doesn't have to be high res or anything like that. It doesn't need to be the, audio, the video, only the audio. Not a problem. Right, 100%. Cool. Thank you so much again, man. You're very welcome. Take it easy. You too.